Kansas City's first preseason game in the books, and a lot to get into on this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast, recapping the first preseason game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Welcome into the Chiefs on Podcast. I am your host, Farzi Vasugian. Glad you guys are taking some time to listen to the podcast morning, afternoon, evening, whatever the case may be, during your workout, uh, while you're at work, while you're on break, whatever the case may be. Appreciate you guys taking the time to download and listen to another episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Of course, the Chiefs fall to the 49ers in the preseason opener for the Chiefs. This year on Friday night, 27-17 at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, some good, some bad, a little bit of both. Uh, it is the preseason, uh, so we, 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 we've got to take that into consideration. Plus the quality of opponent you're playing in, and also maybe if the opposing team is testing a few things out. Uh, whatever the case may be, I, we can't get too excited over the preseason. At the same time, uh, if things go bad, we've got to keep in mind maybe... The team itself was trying to test a few, few things out. So, a lot to go into here. Uh, I'll definitely give my thoughts here. You guys know me. I talked about this last podcast. I think that when you look at the preseason, I think a lot of times fans don't care so much about the preseason. I tend to fall in that category as well. Except when you've got some, I don't want to say a quarterback competition or a quarterback controversy. But when you've got some high-level quarterbacks on your team, such as the Chiefs right now with Alex Smith, Pat Mahomes, uh, guys who could be starting on NFL teams right now, I I think this is a preseason that you want to keep a close eye on if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. And a lot of fans at Arrowhead Stadium, they stayed there uh, all the way until Mahomes uh, finished playing for the Chiefs, which he played out the entire third quarter, came in in the middle of the second quarter, and we'll get into all that, of course. I do recall last year, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Chiefs had their first preseason game uh, at Arrowhead Stadium against the Seahawks, and gosh, the second half, the stands were empty. It looked like no one even showed up for the game, whereas this year in the first preseason game, everyone stuck around because they want to see Pat Mahomes. They want to see this new quarterback that the Chiefs traded out 13 spots for in the first round and get a first look at him in person. I mean, what's the big deal? Why did the Chiefs take him in? We saw a little bit of that, some some, some good things from Pat Mahomes, but also some things that I, I definitely definitely think that he needs to improve on. But again, he's a rookie. He's coming in. That's what you have the preseason for. That's what you have all these off-season practices for. So uh, everyone's got something to work on. Even the team coming off a of Super Bowl win, the Patriots. Even the Patriots. I think people forget this. Just because a team was so successful the previous year or they've had been successful for 15 years even the Patriots Bill Belichick and, and the the staff I mean they, they, those are guys that have things to improve on too so uh it's it, it's a thing that goes through all 32 teams in the NFL including the Kansas City Chiefs and we're gonna get to all of that in just a moment well you guys know you guys can be part of the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook.com slash Farzim is my Facebook page. Give it a like on there. Love the interaction with you guys before, during, and after the game. Did a Facebook Live at halftime. Uh, a few people were in there. Not a whole lot uh, like we had for the draft or for the uh, playoff game last season. Uh, so I didn't end up doing a post game. I'll be completely honest. Uh, I'll get to why I didn't do a post game Facebook Live. Part of it was because... Not a lot of people were around for halftime, but I do have another reason as to why I didn't do it, so I'll get into that in a moment. Um, 
Twitter, forgot about that. Uh, Twitter, you guys can follow me at Farzine21 and email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesuvian.com. Of course, we will recap the game between the Chiefs and the 49ers, the 27-17 loss in the first preseason game. I've also got a bone to pick with with the Chiefs preseason announcers. I'll tell you why later on. Plus, a player in the AFC West sat down during a national anthem. I'll tell you who that was. And what's the reaction going to be from all of this? No reason has been given yet, but surely we'll find out sooner rather than later. Of course, we talked about this last week with Colin Kaepernick, why he's not being signed. And could this same player follow Colin Kaepernick's footsteps in being unemployed? Timing of it is pretty crazy, but we'll get into that as well here on the podcast. But starting things off with the Chiefs and the 49ers. The Chiefs did start with the football. Alex Smith took control on the first drive and not bad. Went four of six, uh, 48 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, no sacks either. So the offensive line, the first team offensive line, able to keep Smith's jersey clean on that first drive. And nothing to really complain about. Uh, Alex Smith on the very first offensive snap of the game, dished it out to Tyreek Hill on a 32-yard catch and run pass uh on a, on a deep throw too i mean look i know we criticize alex smith uh, yours truly included but gotta give him some credit where credit's due so he was able to do that with tyree kill and also was able to move the ball fairly well too uh again completing four of six passes alex smith generally does have a high completion percentage and he was able to do that in this game right on the first drive really and spencer Ware kind of took control in this game not a lot of yards just Six yards off of four carries, but did cap off that opening drive with a touchdown. So, got to feel good about that. And I I think the running back department is going to be an interesting one. C.J. Spiller went in there, played a little bit. None of the running backs really woed me. Everybody was looking forward to Kareem Hunt, who only touched the ball once on the ground. Charkandrick West didn't look really good. Uh, Kareem Hunt was pretty good on special teams. But as far as the running back... The rushing department, yeah, not not the greatest. I, I'd love to see something a little better. 14 carries, just 31 yards for the Chiefs rushing against the 49ers. Again, people might look at the 49ers as a team that, not necessarily the greatest team. Uh, a lot of them expecting to be uh, a team that finishes last in the NFC. Maybe a top five team when it comes to draft selection. So, this is a team that's definitely rebuilding, and people wondered why couldn't the Chiefs light it up very early against them. Look, the Chiefs are testing things out, and so are the 49ers, so you can never get too frustrated if if a really good team doesn't do well or better than you had expected against a really bad team. Again, it is the preseason. I do want to keep one thing in mind. I, I think people forget this. The same year the Lions went 0-16, and I, I can't remember if that was 2009 or 2010. The same year they went 0-16 was the same year that they went 4-0 in the preseason. So I think the Lions are a great example of the fact that don't get too caught up in the preseason hype. I remember there was a there was a fun fact out there that the Chiefs, the two times that they went 4-0 in the preseason, they actually went to the Super Bowl and... 66 and 69 but a couple of years ago they went 4-0 and obviously that that didn't translate into a Super Bowl appearance it was a second round exit against the New England Patriots the same year at least where the Chiefs were able to snap that playoff drought but nonetheless 
Uh, I definitely would like to see something a little better from the Chiefs running back department. So hopefully that's something that they can work on uh, throughout tr- the remainder of training camp and what you have of the offseason of practice. Well, technically not the offseason, but you guys get the idea. Before the regular season gets underway, plus the three remaining preseason games that you have left. Because looking at Kansas City's schedule for 2017, you are playing a lot of teams that are going to air it out. You've got, well, let's just look at Kansas, the AFC West first. You've got the LA Chargers twice. Of course, Phillip Rivers is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL today. As bad as the Chargers are, you can never discredit Phillip Rivers and what he's capable of. You've got the Oakland Raiders twice. And again, you can never count out the Oakland Raiders and what they're capable of doing with that passing attack as long as their car is healthy. Denver, okay, maybe a different discussion there. New England, you've got New England to play this season. You're, you're going to be going up against the Dallas Cowboys, who've got a great quarterback in Dak Prescott. You've got the New York Giants. You've got the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, there are a lot of teams on here that have a strong passing attack. And I'm not saying Kansas City's defense is not capable of stopping those High passing games. They were able to do that against some really good quarterbacks last season. Drew Brees, one of them. Uh, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. They did not let a lot of quarterbacks light up the the scoreboard or have a field day, which is which is of course good news. But at the same time, on the off chance that the defense has a bad game or two against a really good quarterback, the offense has got to be there and try to provide a balance. In other words, I mean, sure, maybe you have a good passing game. With Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey as your main pass catchers. And of course, you know Andy Reid can always rely on his running backs coming out of the backfield as pass catchers. Even though Spencer Ware, not the greatest running back in the NFL right now, still one of the better pass catching running backs in the NFL today. And I think that that's mainly due to the fact that he's playing in an offense that Reid has. But point being here is you've got so many great offenses that you've got to have a really good and balanced offense. Otherwise... You're going to struggle against some of these teams that you're going to be facing later this year. And it's really important that the Kansas City Chiefs are able to have that three-dimensional offense. I know we were so used to that during the Dick Vermeil era, Herm Edwards. uh, We saw some of that. uh, Not a whole hell of a lot. Uh, Under Todd Haley, we we definitely saw a little bit more balance when the Chiefs were able to be competitive. Uh, When Andy Reid first came here, of course, Jamal Charles at one point led the NFL and total touchdowns for the entire season, led the league in scoring, and Alex Smith, not the greatest quarterback, but definitely got the job done under center, and you kind of wonder this year, what kind of a quarterback will he be like? So, you you really need that balance this year with the offense. I, I, I've been watching a lot of other preseason games on NFL Network, and the NFL Network consists, like ESPN and Fox Sports, they have that news ticker on the bottom, and NFL Network likes to promote their fantasy rankings, and... I know that special teams plays a role in fantasy football, but Kansas City's defense, at least from NFL Network size, and I'm sure many other outlets have this too, either number one or very high, but Kansas City's defense is ranked number one in fantasy football by NFL Network. So, I know I've said this a lot heading into, heading into seasons, because... I do just have that question mark with this offense. What kind of offense are we going to get? And I I tend to be more wrong. So maybe what I'm saying, uh, I'll probably look back and, and admit ignorance here. But 
At the same time, I, I just have to wonder. Alex Smith definitely didn't have the greatest season last year, and the running backs certainly were not there either. Jamal Charles didn't play a whole whole lot, and outside of Jamal Charles, what you did have with Spencer Ware and Chuck Kendrick was not the same, completely different from what you had in those two running backs in 2015 when they filled in and for Jamal Charles when he got hurt. So... This is, to me, this is, I, I, I'm looking at this season, I'm wondering if we're going to have a lot of low-scoring games this year, whereas the Chiefs defense doesn't surrender a lot of points, but at the same time, the offense is not going to be able to go out there and light it up either. That's my biggest concern. I mean, if, I'm, if I have a big takeaway, just from a team standpoint is, well, more offensively speaking, but... Where is the scoring production going to come on this offense? I know a lot of players didn't play. Travis Kelsey didn't play. Tom Bahali, Eric Berry uh, didn't play among players uh, worth mentioning. Chris Jones, Benny Logan. Uh, but at the same time, just from what you do have, what if Travis Kelsey does get hurt? Obviously, you don't want to go there. You don't want it to happen. You don't even want to think about it. But injuries are part of sports, unfortunately. What if an injury does occur to Travis Kelsey? Where do you go? Is Tyree you you can't just throw it out to Tyree Kill on every single play or on ninety percent of your plays? You've got to be able to spread the ball throughout your offense. And I think what's so nice about Kansas City's offense is you do have a lot of speed. Even without Jeremy Macklin, this is still an offense that is filled with a lot of speed with their skill position players. And I think Kansas City can really do some damage offensively. If those players live up to their potential, and I know that's that's a big if because you're essentially you can essentially say the same thing for all 32 teams. I mean, the Cleveland Browns, even though they're not the greatest team, they've still got some talented players there. And if those guys all play up to their potential, if everybody plays up to their potential, we'd be talking about teams winning 16 games, which which obviously is not even remotely possible. So. I don't mean to go on too much about the offense, but it does kind of concern me that you don't have a viable ground game. And I know it's a lost art in the NFL today. It's not known as much. Back in the days when you had uh, guys like Priest Holmes, Terrell Davis, I mean, just a decade ago, a decade and a half ago, you had those guys that were some of the best. Ladanian Tomlinson recently going into Canton. You just don't really have that a whole lot, especially in Kansas City. And Kansas City has been very fortunate in terms of the running backs they've had from Priest Holmes to Larry Johnson to Jamal Charles, Spencer Ware and Charkandrick West filled in in 2015. And now you're kind of wondering who is going to be that primary running back for the Kansas City Chiefs this season. I know a lot of people are banking in on, on Kareem Hunt, but... Listen, I, I, I just have a hard time wanting to put all my eggs in one basket with a rookie because I think a lot of people were excited for Chris Conley and they keep talking about him, but he's been in the league for a couple of years and we're still waiting on him to to make some noise. So uh, I, that's one thing that I really want to see the Chiefs improve on in the remainder of the preseason uh, before they kick off the NFL regular season in Foxborough against the Patriots. Defensively, look, no complaints from me on the defensive side of the football. They forced a three and out. That's all they did. And again, you're not playing the most dangerous offense in football. So this is what the defense was supposed to do. Even without Eric Berry, Holly, Logan, Jones. I mean, you were talking some key starters 
on this defense that were not playing in this game. And the defense, uh, at least the number ones that were on there Friday night, they went out there and got the job done against the 49ers starting offense. So as far as starters go, defensively, very happy. Offensively, not the most balanced, but got the job done one way or another. And that's what you're supposed to do against a team like the 49ers that really the expectations are very low going into the 2017 season. Now, as far as the backups go, this is, of course, a completely different subject because a few of these guys may start if injuries occur throughout the season or if one of these backups just find a way to excel and maybe a starter just falls down and is unable to live up to the expectations. Maybe then you see some of these backups play a lot, but I tend to not go too crazy because... When you look at the second quarter on, especially the fourth quarter, San Francisco found a way to come back in this game. And again, we're talking about a group of players that 99% of them are going to be cut and are going to be looking for jobs elsewhere or will try to play at another football league or unfortunately some of them are going to call it quits and it may be the last time that they play football uh, unless they get picked up uh, on a, a team's practice squad. Tyler Bray was the second quarterback who came in for the Kansas City Chiefs. Not the most impressive showing from Tyler Bray. His very first pass was to Chris Conley, who got wide open for a 40-plus yard game. Actually, that was a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. And it got called back because Conley uh, created some illegal separation from the defender. And that's why he was able to get so wide open. So, not the most impressive look, uh, considering the, the penalty that Conley committed there. Overall, Tyler Bray, here's my thing. Again, what I'm saying about the preseason, I think applies also to OTAs and training camp. Uh, I've had a lot of discussions with people. People have asked me, you know, are you excited? What do you think of the quarterback situation? And, you know, I'll ask the same question in return just to see what Chiefs fans are thinking. I always love to know what fans are thinking. And, for some reason, people are just on this Tyler Bray train because, for one, he's experienced and Pat Mahomes isn't. Pat Mahomes is a rookie, and so Bray should be the backup going into the season, which I completely disagree with. But also, people are saying Tyler Bray has had an amazing offseason and that he's looked great in OTAs, he's looked great in training camp. Well, against the 49ers backups... I can't say I was really impressed. Five completions out of eight attempts for 63 yards and a pick also was sacked in this game. I can't say I was really too impressed with Tyler Wright in this game, especially that interception. He threw a really bad pass that Alex Smith very rarely makes and Pat Mahomes expected to rarely make those mistakes also. So I I, I was really unimpressed with Tyler Wright. If anything, if I had to decide right there, just that game alone, Who's the odd man out? I would probably have to say Stave because, I mean, look, he's the fourth guy. He didn't have a very good game, statistically speaking. But Tyler Bray's not too far behind him. I mean, he didn't look very good either. As far as Pat Mahomes goes, of course, the main attraction to this preseason show, this glorified practice, seven completions, nine attempts for 49 yards and a touchdown. He did get that touchdown when the Chiefs had possession of the football in the red zone. And that was thanks to a nice special teams play, which we will get into later on. But as far as 
Pat Mahomes goes, I, I saw some good things from Pat Mahomes for a first game. I, if, if I had to evaluate, I, I would say I'm pretty, I'm pretty satisfied with how he looked in his very first exhibition game. Uh, was able to get that touchdown to number seven on the team. And I'm not going to pretend like I really know these guys' names. So if I had to look it up, it would be Marcus Kemp for the Chiefs. Again, a guy who, of course, is a project player. We'll see how he's going to do throughout the remainder of the, the preseason and in training camp, of course. Keep in mind, what you see in the preseason is just one thing. Fans are not obviously there for every training camp session. And training camp is a big part of how the Chiefs and every NFL team will determine their 53-man roster. But Pat Mahomes was able to go out there and deliver on that drive after special teams came through and gave the Chiefs offense opening possession inside the red zone already. And if I th- one thing I will say about Pat Mahomes is, and a couple of people mentioned this on the Facebook page, he, he didn't look like he was under any pressure. I mean, for a guy who probably had some butterflies in his very first NFL game, those butterflies could come back when it's for real in a regular season contest. Not too bad from him. I mean, he definitely looked relaxed and poised in the pocket, and he moved only when he had to. Uh, did get sacked at one point. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I I don't think the offensive line did him any favors. Isaiah Battle, man, on Mahomes' very first pass, he connected with Demarcus Robinson, a guy who's been on the team for a couple of years. Hasn't made an impact much in the regular season, so he's a guy who's still working on trying to make it in the NFL. But Mahomes connects with him, and it gets called back because Isaiah Battle was called for holding on the defensive player, the pass rusher for San Francisco. Then on the very next play, well, it wasn't even a play, really, he commits a false start penalty. So you don't do a lot of favors for your quarterback. And I think for a guy like Mahomes, who's a little nervous coming into his first game, trying to get used to the, the, the game in his first try, you don't do him and his confidence any favors when you commit a holding penalty to bring a nice play back. And then you come in a false start penalty because then he has to wonder, is this a left tackle that I'm going to have to worry about? Is he going to be able to do his job while I'm trying to do mine? Or am I going to have to worry about multiple things at once? So uh, you, you have to take that, take that into consideration too when you evaluate Mahomes' performance in his very first preseason game in the NFL. So hopefully Mahomes will have an opportunity later on in the preseason against, uh, or not against, but with the number ones or even the number two. I mean, he played with a lot of guys who, look, let's just be honest, uh, a lot of these guys are going to get cut and let go uh, by the time the regular season is underway. If anything, I know in the third preseason game, generally, you have... You have players that the starters who play all the way until uh, or through the opening possession of the second half. So you 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 have that in a third preseason. Now, that's always been the general rule is to let your starters play uh, for a couple of quarters in the third preseason game. I would be inclined to see if Andy Reid would ponder the idea of letting Alex Smith just go out there for one, maybe two drives. But after that, let Mahomes play with the number ones. This is a guy who you drafted in the first round. You traded up 13, not one spots, not two, 13 spots to get in the first round, a top 10 pick. I mean, it's not like they were 32nd and traded up to 
the middle of the draft. You traded up to the top 10, the 10th pick in the draft. So let this guy go out there and showcase his talents with some of the other starters on this football team. Now look, you don't owe the fans anything, even though, of course, this is an industry where you know, players and coaches are making millions of dollars and the fans play a big role in their salaries. But I think, that they, forget the fans, you owe it to yourself to see what can he do against or against a team with a starting group of players around him. I think we all want to see that. We all want to know the answer to that. Now, as far as the backup defensive players go, uh, so some good stuff from the pass rushers in this game. You had Raheem Nunes Rochas, who has done very well in the preseason in years past for the Chiefs. I thought he looked good as a run stopper in this game. You had Marcus Rush, who a defensive end on the, the defensive end, by the way, looked really good in this game. Uh, I thought for sure. Marcus Rush went in there, got a sack, also had a couple of uh, quarterback hurries uh, against the 49ers in this game. And let's not forget about the second round draft pick, the rookie defensive end, Tano Passigno, who had a very good showing uh, trying to apply pressure on the 49ers quarterbacks. This is a guy who the 49ers, I think, struggled with the most. If, 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 I'm, the, if I'm a 49ers fan, my biggest takeaway would be, as far as the offense goes, backup offensive players go, they had a hard time double-teaming guys, and Passigno was one of those guys who caused some problems for the 49ers in this game. So, definitely some good things from Passigno, too. You're always encouraged when you see rookies shine in a preseason game like this, because especially if they're non-first-round draft picks, because then that makes you wonder, what does the future hold? I mean, you've got a guy like Chris Jones who certainly played like a first-round draft pick. If they had to redo last year's draft, you know the Chiefs have two late-round draft well. Second round is not a late rounder, but still, non two non-first-round draft picks that would be have drafted in the first round. Tyreek Hill, of course, the obvious one, but the other one, definitely Chris Jones for the Chiefs. So you've got a, a couple of guys on that defense, uh, or more specifically on that right defensive end spot, guys who are showing that they could be key factors for this defense for years to come. And I think that's definitely a big... Uh, sign of encouragement, something to really look forward to and be happy about for this Chiefs defense for years to come. This Chiefs defense is locked and loaded with a lot of talent. There's, I mentioned NFL Network. They've got them ranked number one. Now, I know special teams plays a hand in it, but even without that, I still think the Chiefs are a top five defense in the National Football League. You saw with the takeaways and the sacks last year, and they're going to continue to do the same thing this year. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. The big question is with this defense, who can, who else can you have contribute uh, outside of your starting 11 on defense who are guys that are going to rotate in with the defensive linemen with the with the linebackers and the secondary guys who are going to come in there and continue to apply pressure continue to come away with those interceptions off those ill-advised throws because that can make a huge difference in an NFL game that can change the, the complexity and everything uh, that, that you've got in the game so that's a very important thing that I'm keeping an eye on with this defense and again you got so many guys I, I don't remember if I even mentioned David King's name he also had a good showing in the preseason as well so there are a lot of guys last year Daddy Nicholas was really the defensive standout in the preseason of course in the regular season he didn't do a whole lot contributed just a little bit but at the same time I mean you have these preseason games for a reason so that's one thing that I'm going to continue to keep an eye on. I hope you guys will as well when you look at that defensive front because, man, pass rushes can really change 
the direction and the dynamic of a football game. It can make some... Oddly enough, for the Chiefs, some of their best games when it comes to pass rushing have come against elite quarterbacks. Phillip Rivers struggles a lot against the Kansas City Chiefs because they have had so many great pass rushers through the years. Jared Allen, Tom Bahali, Justin Houston. Uh, now you got D. Ford who's been on the rise. As far as other quarterbacks who the Chiefs have been able to terrorize and really just give a hard time, Peyton Manning, known to have some of his worst regular season games against the Chiefs. Tom Brady has struggled against Kansas City's pass rush a few times. So you've had a, you've been able to do a good job going up against some of these elite quarterbacks and give them a hard time. So Kansas City just tends to have some good luck, and I know skill's a part of it, but luck is as well. Kansas City's just generally done well and has had luck on its side when they've gone up against some of the best quarterbacks ever uh, because of the pass rush. That's been a big hand, and again, it's human nature to just tend to do well, you want to do even better when you're facing some of the best competition out there. I mean, it's it's nothing. It sounds weird, but listen. Uh, I mean, if if you are applying for three jobs, if you're applying for, I mean, let's say you you want to be a news anchor, and you've got two local stations, but you've also got an interview with a national media outlet like a Fox News or a CNN. You're definitely going to want to put all the effort into trying to get that national job because. That's where more money is. That's where more exposure is. And journalists tend to do very well when they have that big of a following when, you, when you're when you working for that big of an outlet. So uh, that's the one thing that you look for in these guys. They just generally do well when they play against some of the most fierce and best competition in the NFL. Special teams, not a whole lot to say. Uh, of course, Tyreek Hill... Uh, didn't do a whole lot when it came to returning in this game. Actually, I didn't even touch the football. The Anthony Thomas went in there. Demarcus Robinson had a play in there. Uh, Chasson, the rookie, not too bad as a kick returner in this game. CJ Spiller also contributed. Uh, but nothing that made you raise your eyebrows and feel impressed with what the Chiefs were able to do on special teams that made you think, oh, this would be a great replacement on the off chance that Tyreek Hill goes down with an injury. Uh, Dustin Colquitt, nothing different about him. Always one of the better punters in the National Football League. Sam Ficken signed earlier this week, filling in for Cairo Santos. Now, of course, Ficken not expected to make the Chiefs roster, so a lot of people would wonder, for Ficken, for him, on a personal level, what does he benefit from this? Well, look, if he does have a good preseason as a kicker, Another team is going to notice that. Maybe another team out there is not satisfied with their kicker, such as the Chiefs a few years ago uh, when they drafted uh, Justin Medlock, the kicker from UCLA in 2007, and they were out there looking for a completely different kicker. In this case, Kansas City, if Ficken does well for the Chiefs, he's going to get cut when it's time for the 53-man roster. But another NFL team might... Keep an eye on him and say, look, this guy looked good for Kansas City. They already have a kicker. He's going to get cut. Let's be ready to jump on him as soon as he's cut. That way we can bring him to our squad. So that's what he's benefiting from this. And not a bad showing from him. Made a field goal. Made both of his extra points. Had a 45-yard field goal. So, of course, that's considered long range. uh, Though 45-yarders generally should be made by most kickers. Uh, That's the expectation, at least when you uh, compare all 32 kickers. A couple kickers might struggle with that distance, but for the most part, uh, can't say anything bad about him. So 
uh, which is good for him, good for the Chiefs, and could translate into a job elsewhere in the NFL or maybe in another football league for him. Let me know what your guys' thoughts are. I know I asked you guys already on the Facebook page, but it's never too late to be part of the discussion. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugi, and you guys can also tweet me at Farzine21 on Twitter. And again, don't be shy. Email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. So there it is. That's my preseason wrap-up, the first preseason game for the Chiefs. Again, not a whole lot. Some positives. Uh, mostly from the starters, but as far as the backups go, guys who played late in the game in, in the fourth quarter, and, and I didn't mention this, but the reason I did not do a Facebook Live after the game, in addition to the fact that not many people were commenting, I actually put out a, a, a post after the game. Nobody commented on it because it was 11, 11, 30 when the game ended. Uh, not only that, I fell asleep in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's how boring preseason games are. In addition to waking up at... Gosh, almost 5.30, 6 o'clock every morning. Uh, when it's, uh, and I know I sound like an old man saying this, but when it's 11 o'clock and you're watching this damn boring game with third and fourth string players who are going to get cut, most of them at least, I just don't give a damn that the Chiefs surrendered 18 points in the fourth quarter to the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think anyone's going to be crying for Andy Reid's job or protesting Chiefs games and fearing that this could be a bad season because of the fourth quarter performance from the team in this game. The only time I ever just felt extremely worried about a Chiefs preseason game was in 2011 or 2012. I can't remember which year it was. Uh, Actually, it was 2011 because Todd Haley was still on the team. The Chiefs left their starters on the field in the second half of the fourth preseason game and still lost. To the Green Bay Packers. So if you're the Green Bay Packers. And of course John Dorsey was on the team at the time. That must have been a very difficult decision. To try to put your 53 man roster together. Because you had backups. That defeated. Uh, pretty much a, a starting NFL team. And. When you see that. That just really threw red flags. And kind of made you scratch your head. Going into the regular season. Your starters failed against backups in a fourth preseason game. So hopefully nothing like that happens with Kansas City. Funny story, by the way. Uh, I, you guys know I used to cover KU football. I attended KU and worked for the student media outlet there before graduating. Uh, I remember for a spring game, this is how seriously you take spring games. Charlie Weiss, the former offensive coordinator for the Chiefs and for the, uh, the, the Patriots, he had a. He does not coach spring games. He actually watches from the press box, and then he'll meet with the media afterwards. So the assistant coaches serve as head coaches in those. Pre, uh, I was about to say preseason game, but those for those spring games. Charlie Weiss created something funny because he had the starters go up against the backups, and the expectation was for the starters to steamroll through the backups and have like a 21 to 3 lead at halftime so the rule the twist was the players were going to find out at halftime that the score would be flipped that way the backups would be leading and the starters would be trailing even though they put up those 21 points or however many it could have been and then the starters would have to rally from behind to try to prove that they are worthy of being starters for this football team. Funny enough, the KU starters lost the first half 7-3 to 
And they decided not to flip the score. Because the point was for the starters to fall behind coming out of the locker room at halftime. And a funny thing, by the way, the media knew about this, so they tweeted it out. But the fans in attendance, unless they're on social media, they, they didn't see this. But the, the media tweeted this. I remember I tweeted it as well. And all the football players were on their phones before the spring game, so they actually knew about this. So uh, it kind of makes you wonder if they did that intentionally just so they thought that they would have the lead in the second half. But, uh, yeah, I mean, these preseason games, those spring games, I, I still chuckle when I tell that KU spring football story. But, uh, I mean, you you can never take these things too seriously. Uh, I, I, one more funny KU football story. This is quick, I promise. I remember KU won one game in Charlie Weiss' first year with the Jayhawks, which was 2012. And the spring game, which happened in 2013, of course, that's not a real game. But if you looked at KU football's schedule, they included their their record was 1-11 in Weiss's first year. When you include the spring game, KU football improved its own record, according to the website, according to KUAthletics.com, KU football improved their record to 2-11 because of the spring game, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous that somehow that that occurred on their website. I don't know if that's a coding thing with when you add it to the schedule or what, but uh, according to the schedule, the uh, the the Jayhawks did win two games that year, one of them being the, the spring game. So again, as always, let me know your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter or email me if you are not on social media. All right, it's time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. I know we talked about this last week with Colin Kaepernick, and I give you guys really my final thoughts on that situation. But unfortunately, this situation has rose again, but with another player, Marshawn Lynch, who came out of retirement and joined the Oakland Raiders this past offseason from Seattle. He sat down during a national anthem. Not only that, not only did he sit on a Gatorade cooler, but he's also eating a banana during the anthem, so... While sitting and all that, look, uh, uh, this is a newly acquired player. So the timing of this is a little crazy because, look, Colin Kaepernick is not being on, he's not joining NFL teams for obvious reasons because he kneeled during the anthem. Now you've got Marshawn Lynch, a guy who just got employed by the Raiders this offseason, and he's not doing what Kaepernick did last year. So what does the future hold for him? I mean, are the Raiders going to show patience in this? I mean, are they going to put up with this? I don't know the situation. Jack Del Rio said in a presser, he spoke to Marshawn and that he had been doing this for 11 years, but it wasn't clear exactly what he was referring to with the 11-year comment because an article came out showing that he has stood for national anthems in the past with photos. And, you know, Jack Del Rio said he disagreed with it. I don't know. This is... This is interesting. Now we have players that are, you know, of course, with what Kaepernick did, some players for solidarity want to hold up a a right hand or a fist. I know Marcus Peters did that for the first NFL game last year, and that drew some controversy. Uh, A few other NFL players, of course, followed in Kaepernick's footsteps and kneeled as well. But I think that, uh, I mean, a lot of players got some backlash for that, so they moved on from it. But... Uh, man, I, I I don't know. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see because Marshawn Lynch, of course, a phenomenal player, has a Super Bowl ring. 
And if he can prove that he's in the same form he was once before, coming back from retirement, of course you want him on your team. You want him employed and kind of makes you wonder, just like how Kansas City was with Tyreek Hill, are, are, are Raiders fans going to be content with Marshawn Lynch? If he does well, they're going to forgive him and forget about the whole national anthem controversy? I I don't know. It's kind of a weird situation to be in. So uh, th- th- we're just going to have to watch how this plays out and see if this is a guy who's going to follow in Kaepernick's footsteps and being unemployed and not be able to find a job or keep any of his sponsors. One player unable to stay on the Buffalo Bills, his favorite team, according to his pre-draft interviews, drafted by the team, Sammy Watkins, traded to the LA Rams and I was watching the LA Rams preseason broadcast and he was in the booth being interviewed and admitted he was shocked but at the same time feels like it's a new fresh start man the the thing about these players and by the way the Bills declined the option to keep him for a fifth year after uh, suffering an injury uh, last year which limited him to just half the season when you join a team during a preseason, you've got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, sure, you're a great wide receiver, and Sammy Watkins is for sure. The Chiefs could certainly use him, but at the same time, when you look at what you have to do on an NFL team, learn the playbook, learn the coaching style, learn the, learn your quarterback and his style. You know, so many things that you've got to get ready to learn. Now, of course, Watkins, he, he said in his interview that he's a fast learner. Well, look, what is he going to say? Hey, I'm a slow learner. It's going to take me too long to learn the offense. I'm afraid we're going to suck this year. I mean, of course, he's not going to sell himself short. He wants to give some confidence to the fans and the media, the coaches, the players on the team. So this is going to be a crazy situation. I think the Rams are definitely worth keeping an eye on, more specifically, Sammy Watkins and his progression during a time like this. A bad year with the Bills in 2016 and decline that fifth that year for uh, fifth year option and then being traded to the Rams during the preseason tough break for him and he's got to learn to pick things up right away with the LA Rams and of course young team new quarterback the fairly new quarterback there uh definitely gonna be some growing pains for the LA Rams this year in 2017 time to move on let's go out of bounds All right, there's been some drama with Conor McGregor and I don't know how to pronounce the name of this guy, Pauli Malignani, Malignaggi, I should say, who I guess McGregor knocked down in a sparring session, which a sparring session, look, of course, that's your way of practice. It's similar to, well, first, let me just say the story. The issue is... Paulie is upset because he was knocked down during practice, essentially. This is the equivalency of this would be Justin Houston actually sacking Alex Smith during practice, which, of course, a lot of fans would be pissed off about, and the team would be pissed off about it as well. Now, of course, no one would expect Justin Houston to do such a thing, or any NFL player, defensive player, to do that to their quarterback. But... This is one of those things where, look, uh, in a sport like football, maybe you accidentally run into your quarterback. Or maybe your quarterback just suffers an injury. Look at Ryan Tannehill and what happened to him recently with the Miami Dolphins and Jay Cutler now going there. Uh, in, this, in a sport like MMA, you're physical. You're going to be throwing jabs at each other. You're, you're, you're trying to work things out here. And unfortunately, McGregor has just found himself in the center of controversy here because... Uh, of, of what he had done. Now Dana White released the footage, and you know McGregor 
explain his side and everything. Of course, Dana White's going to come to his defense, but man, uh, this is just one of those things. And I've heard stories about MMA fighters uh, here in Kansas City who have complained about bad sparring partners who don't know exactly what to do while sparring. Some of them are injured and they spar and they'll tell their partner, hey, look, don't hit me in the ribs. And one guy actually started attacking him at, right where his ribs were, are, where he had pain. And started complaining, saying he was a bad sparring partner. You've got to know your limitations in sparring. Again, it's another word for saying practice, essentially. So, this is one of those situations where Connor, gosh, uh, he's got to be very careful with who he surrounds himself with. Because, especially when you're preparing such a big fight that he wants to pull off a big upset, upset for when he faces Floyd Mayweather later this month in Las Vegas. And speaking of getting knocked down, Tim Tebow got knocked down when he took a pitch to the head. His helmet went flying off. Still, uh, ESPN, of course, promoting this big time. Uh, he stayed in the game and actually scored a run. Like, I mean, if this was Eric Hosmer, no one would care. But it's it's Tim Tebow. Like, Tim Tebow swung a baseball bat and it went 15 rows into the stands. Uh, Tim Tebow hits a hard, Tim Tebow grounds out and it's on the highlight reel. Uh, all these things talked about constantly, and uh, it's, I don't care. I, uh, Tim Tebow's playing for a minor league team. He It's an uphill battle for him right now. He's got a, way, a long ways to work up, but I, I applaud the effort. I, really, I mean, look, he can do whatever he wants. I just don't want to hear about every single baseball highlight from Tim Tebow. Quite frankly, I don't think anybody does. Nobody does whatsoever. Uh, one last thing, going back to the Marshawn Lynch thing, I, I forgot to mention this. It could be in relation to what's going on in Virginia over the weekend, or of course some uh, crazy events there, which Chris Conley tweeted out and was upset that people were criticizing Marshawn Lynch more so for what he did versus what's going on in Virginia. Listen, um, I, I don't want to get too political. I know that's not what you guys listen to this podcast for, but listen, I think just w- with... With anything in life, I think there are better ways to go about how we're handling things in our country. I really do. I know people are angry since the elections, since we found out who our two candidates were going to be. But I think as a nation, I mean, the United States of America, I think there are far better ways to handle certain things. And it's a shame that it's come down to this where people are doing this. Fortunately, it's not happening everywhere, but still... I mean, Virginia is part of the United States. It should not happen at any of the states in this country. So uh, there's got to be better ways where we can just unite and try to find common ground. Because at the end of the day, we all want good things to happen. I think there are much better ways to go about it than what's happening right now in Virginia. So hopefully that can clear out soon and people can stop with their negativity and their differences so much. Because it's really not what this country needs or nor this whole world. So hopefully that can be taken care of and things can be calm and relaxed as soon as possible there. So thoughts and prayers to everyone that, that's dealing with that over in Virginia. All right, final segment of the show. Time to throw some penalty flags. Man, I'm throwing a flag at Trent Green, former Chiefs quarterback. Oh, listen, I appreciate what he did uh, for the Chiefs while he was a quarterback. But, man, as a broadcaster, I, I've, I've, I've never really enjoyed listening to Trent Green uh, while he was a broadcaster for the Chiefs preseason games. 
Uh, I've never really had an issue with him when he does Fox games, but man, when he, I get it. He's being paid by the Chiefs. Uh, before the Chiefs game started against the 49ers, Trent Green said that Alex Smith is having his best year, or he's coming off his best year as the starting quarterback of the Chiefs. Why? Because he had 3,502 passing yards, the most he ever had as a Chiefs quarterback. However, Trent Green didn't talk about the fact that Alex Smith threw the fewest passing touchdowns he ever had with the Chiefs, the most interceptions he threw as a member of the Chiefs in a season. He didn't mention the fact that Alex Smith had the second lowest quarterback passer rating while a member of the Chiefs in the four seasons he's been here. So, listen, passing yards do not mean anything. I've said this before. Just because a team is ranked number one in passing or total defense or total offense or number 32, it doesn't mean that they are the best or that they are the worst. It simply means that they have allowed the most yards or they have thrown or have amassed the most amount of yards. Now, could a team that ranks number one in total offense, which again means total yards, also be the best offense, the highest scoring offense? Sure, it's possible, but that's not always the case. Let's keep in mind, the Chiefs defense was ranked 24th in the NFL last year. That doesn't mean that the Chiefs were the... 24th best defense or the 8th worst defense in the NFL last year. I mean, this is a defense that did a lot of things. No, it did not show up on the on the yards uh, statistic numbers, but it goes beyond that. I mean, yards are far from everything in the NFL. I remember uh, last year or the year before, Alex Smith had a horrible throw and Trent Green said, I'm going to give Alex Smith the benefit of the doubt on that throw. Listen, I get it. He's a former quarterback and he's an employee of the Chiefs. So he's always going to say just positive things about Chiefs quarterbacks because the Chiefs are paying him. That's his job. But come on, don't lie to us and tell us that Alex Smith is coming off the best season he's ever had as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs because that is a complete lie. And while I'm at it, I'm going to throw a penalty flag at his co-announcer, the play-by-play announcer for Chiefs preseason games, Carter Blackburn. Oh man, this guy made such a big deal out of Syracuse last year, which is where he went to school. And I I remember (laughs) BJ Kissel gave the most glorious sideline report saying, hey, uh, you're, you're, you're invited to come to training camp, Carter, and that that kind of get through. That, that was a red flag. Does, does Carter Blackburn not go to Chiefs training camp? Does he just show up for these games in Kansas City and then goes away until the next preseason game? So, I mean, why should I even take Carter Blackburn seriously if he's not even at training camp to even announce these games or talk about these individual players, these backups who are coming in? That look, let's be honest. I highly doubt Trent Green and Carter Blackburn know who the hell Isaiah Battle is. I'm not going to pretend like I do. I just learned about him this week because he kept doing nothing but bad things uh, in hurting Pat Mahomes' confidence in that first drive Mahomes came in. So, and by the way, in the end, uh, when the game was boring as hell, which I, I, I admitted I fell asleep for, I think Carter Blackburn wanted to fall asleep for this because they started talking about Len Dawson and how it's his final year with, uh, with the team broadcasting for them. He starts giving Len Dawson impersonation like 
who the hell? What, what, why are we doing that? Why is he trying to mimic Len Dawson? I mean, what, what's going on here? Uh, I'll admit it's 11 o'clock and I'm half awake, half asleep, so I'm not quite sure what's going on. But gosh, uh, I, I, I really look, I'm a Jayhawk and I get criticized for saying just bad things about MU. Um, I remember, I remember I posted that, um, a former MU player got cut. I think it was Chase Daniel who got cut. And I mentioned that he's from Missouri. I do this all the time for anyone that's from KU, K-State, or MU. But a couple of Mizzou fans criticized me because I, I specifically mentioned that he was a former Missouri Tiger. But look, as a Jayhawk, I'll say, I can't remember his name, but I think Mike Kelly, the announcer for... Uh, MU uh, football and basketball games. That guy used to call Chiefs preseason games for a couple of years, and he was a phenomenal broadcaster. I really loved listening to him. Uh, I actually remember being at a friend's house for uh, a preseason game back when Kelly was the Chiefs play-by-play TV announcer for preseason games. I actually thought my friend hooked up his radio and synced it with his TV because the guy sounds a lot like Mitch Holthus. I actually thought he did that, but then I, I saw... Mike Kelly on the screen, and that was the first time I had even seen him, and had, had known about him, and I did some research, saw he was an MU Tigers announcer, uh, I don't know if he's still with them, but man, I really miss having him for the Chiefs preseason games, because he actually knew how to announce the games, how to actually talk about the players, and you can tell he actually did his research, and even though he was getting paid by the Chiefs, he still stood from an objective standpoint, which I could completely respect, and I think that's why the Chiefs Decided to let him go, which I think... Let me just say this about the Chiefs. As much as I love the team, they are a very, very sensitive franchise. They, I mean, I remember Fesco, uh, he criticized the players for something a couple of years ago. And then two days later on Twitter, BJ Kissel responds to Fesco's tweet. First of all, the timing of this is stupid because you respond two days later... And second of all, it's obvious that it's a PR move. The PR guys told him to say that because Kissel's got a big following, of course, uh, working for uh, uh, Arrowhead Pride for a while, and then now with the Chiefs. So, of course, uh, they want him to go out there to respond to Fesco's tweet like that. So, listen, I can respect a guy like Mike Kelly who, you know, he probably does this for MU games if he's still doing MU games. He probably talks from an objective standpoint, which I respect the hell out of the team announcers that do that because, quite honestly, it gets really annoying when you listen to team for the Homer broadcast and all they do is just say positive things. And look, I think you owe it to your fans to bring out the positives and the negatives to your audience. Don't lie to your audience so much. I mean, look, it's clear that the Chiefs announcers don't do their homework when they're talking about these preseason games. I'm not saying I, I can tell you everything, but I'm not on TV paid to do these games. These guys are. So, uh, the, the fact that you've got arguably, and I've listened to other preseason broadcasts, and I, I feel like they're fairly good when it comes to their broadcasting teams, but gosh, man, Carter Blackburn and Trent Green, uh, it's it's really hard to listen to. It's really hard. I'm, I'm actually... I hate doing this because uh, it's hard to sync your radio and your TV because radio is so far ahead that your TV can never catch up to the radio call and timing of it. But I would be so inclined to just listen to the radio broadcast even though it's ahead by 10 seconds because it's far better than Blackburn and Green. It just really is. 
That'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. I'm Farzim Vasugi. I appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. As always, let me know your thoughts on anything I talked about, anything you want to bring up, or anything else that comes up throughout the week. Of course, I'll touch on it all on social media, and you guys are always more than welcome to respond to it. Facebook.com slash Farzim Vasugi and my Facebook page. Give it a like. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzim21 and email me Farzim at farzimvasugian.com subscribe to the podcast tell a friend about it share it on social media helps the show quite a bit so please do that and let a friend know about the Chief Zone Podcast I'm Farzim Vasugian thanks again for downloading listening to the Chief Zone Podcast I'll talk to you guys later this week before the Chiefs play their second preseason game when they visit the Cincinnati Bengals on Saturday until then talk to you later